0: Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. If you have your Bibles, if you'll pull them out, please, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, and if you've been with us, you know that we're in this series called Start Here as We Began the New Year, and, and as we are heading into this new season, it's always important to begin our starting point, right? When you come to something new, you, you want to know where you are, and then you want to know where you're going. And so for this, we've looked at Mark chapter 12. This is the Great Commandment. And in this th- th- let's just read this together. Mark chapter 12, this has been our text for the last six weeks. We're going to continue. Can we read this together? It says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your, with all your, with all your and with all your." Ugh. The second is this: "You shall love your neighbor." as yourself. There was no other commandment greater than these. So we've been taking the last five weeks, this is week six, and week one we looked at the heart. This is the CEO, the executive uh, center of what happens in our life. Week two, we looked at the soul, and the soul is the part of us. This is the part that lives forever. This was the part that God gave us that was made to integrate all the parts of us, right? Our heart, which is the will and the intentions, our mind, that's our thoughts, our feelings, the values, our conscience, uh, and then our body, the strength into this single life. Week three, we talked about the mind. Week four, we talked about this flesh part of us. That's the part that dies. Uh, at some point spoiler alert Uh, week five which was last week we talked about love each other and now this week in week six we're going to be talking about how to love each others and if you remember uh, the whole question this this this, these words that Jesus said and was a response to a question from a scribe when the scribe asked him he said what is the greatest commandment and this was a common question in that day when the scribes and, and those that would look at Jewish law, they would often ask, what is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest? How do you rate this? And what does that look like? And the, the scribes, they would ask these questions because the scribes were like lawyers of that day. The scribes were the ones that they were given the job of studying the law and they were given the job of interpreting the law. They were like lawyers lawyers. And although there are good lawyers, you know, we, uh, uh, I have some good friends that are lawyers and I thank God for them because when you need a lawyer, you really want to have a good godly lawyer. And so I'm so thankful for that. But unfortunately, sometimes there are lawyers that can twist it or that can use it to, uh, to their own advantage or to the advantage of their clients to where truth is not always there. And this was a pretty frequent criticism that Jesus had of the scribes for that day. He was like, you know the law, but you often use it for your own benefit. He even said that you use the law to make it as a weight on people. You use it to crush people, which is not the intent of the law. The law is meant to reveal who God is and to show us how we find freedom in serving Him. Laws are good. Laws are good. We're in a big sports season now. Seattle is now is now has, has become an even better sports town because we have a hockey team. You know, so it's just he keeps on getting better to us in in in, in the city of Seattle and the. I thought that would get more of a response. Did I offend some hockey, some people out there? Who are my hockey fans? Any Kraken fans? Come on now. That was your moment. Rise to the moment that the Lord has given you in this moment, okay? But Jesus, in looking at this, he wanted to make sure, especially as it related to what it meant to love our neighbor, he didn't want to give interpretation to the scribes. He wanted to say, so that there's no doubt, so there's no confusion, because it is, as we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, loving our neighbor, this is the evidence of the work that God is doing in us. So to do this, he illustrated it through a parable and it's the parable of the good Samaritan. Many of you may know it. this is found in Luke chapter 10. And we're going to be looking at verses 30 through 37. We referenced this last week, but I want to read to you again in case just to remind us as we lay the foundation of what we're talking about today, this is the parable of the good Samaritan. Jesus said, he said a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. This was a common path and he was attacked by bandits They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. In verse 33, Jesus said, then a despised Samaritan. Samaritans were despised by the Jews because they were, they were half Gentile, half Jewish. They didn't follow along. They didn't play well with the Jews. <laughs> and They built their own temples, and so they were despised by, the, by many of the Jewish people. So Jesus says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. That's a key word. He felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, Jesus asked, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits and the man replied the one who showed him mercy then jesus said yes now go and do the same if you remember last week as we talked about this we pulled out three responses that we often make towards hurting or difficult neighbors when we see people that are hurting or people that are difficult how many have some difficult people in your life or maybe you've seen difficult people on social media somewhere you know Often, when we come across people like this, we respond in three ways. The first, you know, the first response that Jesus outlined there was that we, that some respond by retreating. They, this is the person that they they see it in afar, but it's too difficult, and so they just they they just avoid it. They retreat and they head for the hills. They're like, "There's greener pastures somewhere else. I'm gone. I'm out of here." Another way that we often respond is by ignoring. This is the person that they they don't want to change their path. They they want to stay there. They want to be on the same trajectory. But they don't want to deal with the problem, so they just ignore it. It's too much, costs too much, too difficult. But then Jesus, the hero in the story, is the one who engages. This is the hero. This is the one that Jesus gave as the example of someone who loved their neighbor, and it was the Good Samaritan. And this is the part that we're going to focus on today, how we are called to be a Good Samaritan. See, God has called us to come back from retreating. I believe that during COVID, so many have retreated. And so many of us, we've been tempted to retreat, and we've been tempted to pull back. But for some of us today, that may lead us to repenting for ignoring. Because how many of you have been guilty of just ignoring stuff? I have. If it helps you to know, okay, there's things I've ignored. Just ask my wife. There's things I should pay attention to that often I've ignored because I was tired, because of, because, because, because. And if that's us today, which I think many of us have been guilty of it, I've been guilty of it in the past. Today's an opportunity to repent for that because God is calling us to engage with the broken around us. If we are to be his hands, his feet, if we are to be his disciples, if we are to be those that were filled with the power of God, he has called us to step out and to engage So as we dive deep into this today, three things that the Good Samaritan did to love his neighbor that we're going to talk about and how they apply to us is we're going to look at these three things. First of all, the Good Samaritan, he saw. Secondly, the Good Samaritan, he stopped. And then thirdly, he stepped in. So he saw, he stopped. And then thirdly, he stepped in. He stepped in. So Lord, help us today. Lord, as we look at this parable, this application, this This moment that you brought us to. Lord, soften our hearts so that we can hear your word today. So that we can clearly hear your words to us. So Lord, fill me with your power and your spirit that I may communicate what you, what we need to hear, what Shoreline Community Church, what we need to hear today. God, that it wouldn't be filled with any of my biases and my agenda, but it would be your word. So Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, my God, my rock, my redeemer. And everyone said, amen, amen. So let's look at this first one. The first one is he saw, he saw that. And as we look at this, it's important to say that as it comes to loving our neighbor, we need to be willing to look. You can't love your neighbor without looking at them. But how we look at someone, it says a lot about us. See, all three people in the story, the priest, the assistant, and then the Samaritan, they all looked and they all saw it, but they all looked differently. See, the priest, the priest looked from a distance and retreated to the other side. This is that glancing look. This is that look that looking out, you can already see what's happening because this was not an unknown path. This was a very familiar path, and it was also known to be an area where looting took place, where, where people were often beaten and mugged, and already the priest could see what was going on and made the decision to protect himself, to protect his time, to protect his name by not even being associated with this person or even going near to this person. And I think for all of us as we think about our neighborhood and we think about our area, we we can think about areas like this, things that are difficult, things that we look ahead, we see it, we know it's going to be a problem, we know it's going to demand something of us, and so instead of going through it, we just retreat and we just avoid it. See, normally we're willing to take these routes, these routes when it's convenient, but when we see trouble, we go away. You know, when we come to a corner where someone's asking money and they've got the sign up, instead of going there, we'll go around, or we know that every time I go there, someone's going to ask me something, so I'm just going to be avoiding of this place. Or sometimes maybe it's that neighbor with that out-of-control yellow lab that even broke his own elbow, and you see that person coming down the road, and you're like, let's get away from that guy. He's out of control. I, I can't deal with him. Now, before we move on, it's important to note, and I, I underlined this last week, and I want to underline it again today, self-care is important. As we step into a culture that is hostile, as we talked about last week, we laid out several things, that we're in a culture, we're in a world that is hostile towards Christianity. It's moved from, from, from a place of, uh, of being accepted, where we had favor, it moved to, into a place of being willing to tolerate it, to where now it's moved to hostility, where we're seen as a danger to the culture that we're in, oftentimes in many circles. God's not calling us to be in that 24-7. We need to do self-care. Jesus took times when he went away. We need to be careful with our children. There are steps that we need to take for self-care. You know, Sabbath is meant to prepare us for a life-giving purpose. Jesus talked about this, and even he corrected the scribes on their misinterpretation of what Sabbath was for. That Sabbath is so that we can can be refreshed and that we can be restored. But if we're always in that self-protecting mode we need to recognize something's wrong. If we're always exhausted, if we're always retreating, if we're always pulling back, if we're always responding in this way, something is broken in our lives. You know, I love what, uh, what, what pastor and speaker Kerry Newoff says. He says this, he says, time off won't heal you when your problem is how you spend your time on. Isn't that good? Have you ever come back from a vacation and went, I need another vacation because that didn't fix it. If we find ourselves in that retreat mode all the time, we need to take a good look at how we're living our lives, how we're spending our time. Your life may be surrendered to Christ. You're like, yes, I love the Lord. But if there's something in our life, when we are constantly retreating, something is off. Something is broken that we need to take care of. That when you find yourself that you're like, you know, I have this Sabbath, but it's not working. There's something broken that we need to look at. The fact that you're here today, I'm sure it reflects your desire to engage. But that desire to engage may need to address some things in our life that are broken. Because God's not calling us to retreat. How we look, let's look at how the assistant looked at the broken person. See, the assistant, this was the person that that they ignored. This is the person that they weren't willing to adjust their path. They wanted to go straight through. It's almost like the person on the freeway where they see someone there and they kind of rubberneck. They're kind of interested by it, but they just keep going, right? even though they're slowing everybody else down and messing it up for everybody else. It's the person who's curious about what's happening, but they're like, you know, I've got too much to do. Uh, This is their own fault. This is going to cost me too much. I have more important things to do. And so the look is short-lived, and oftentimes it's a judgmental look, and the person just keeps on going. But the Good Samaritan, this is what I want us to focus on today, because this is the person that looked differently. Now, how do we know that the Good Samaritan looked differently at this person? Well, one of the key words that I outlined earlier, we know the good Samaritan looked differently because the good Samaritan was filled with, what's that word? Compassion. That when the good Samaritan went by and he saw this beaten man, the Bible says that he was filled with compassion. See, when the others looked at the man, they were filled with anger, or they were filled with frustration, or they, were, they may have even been filled with guilt, right? They're going to saying, this is going to change my plans, and I don't want to change. This is going to take too much of me. But as it relates to this, Jesus is calling us to respond like the good Samaritan, that when we look at our neighborhood, when we look at those around us, that our first response is not anger, our first response is not frustration, that our first response when we see someone broken is that we're filled with this, 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 this feeling, this godly feeling of compassion, See, when the Bible talks about having compassion, it is referring to a person who looks so deeply that they're even affected physically by what they see, that when you, when you dive into that word, it actually means that, that they're, they're so affected it's even, it's even down, down into their bowels. Did you think you'd hear the word bowels today as you came into the sermon? But they're, they're affected so deeply that it just it changes them. And, and biblically, when it looks at it, that's a word that points to love and it points to pity because we're looking at them with the eyes of Jesus. You experience a sense of disappointment and regret for what may have happened, but you're being moved now to something different. So what prevents us, what prevents us offering from looking at this way? I think a lot of times it comes down to the cost. The priest and the assistant, when they looked at it, the cost was too great. Because for us to engage in acts of compassion, for us to love our neighbor the way that God is calling us to, it means that I have to change. It means that I have to lay aside the flesh. And if you were here the week when we talked about the flesh, the flesh is always fighting to be in charge. Because the flesh wants to please itself, and we're in a culture that will say, yes, that's the way to act. Please yourself. Please your flesh. Do things that are up for you. You do you, and, I, and I'll and i do me. But even that has changed now because they've recognized that if what you're doing affects me, then they're going to be great hostility towards them so that doesn't even play it anymore so that now we have flesh fighting against flesh because the flesh is always going to call it to itself that's why the flesh needs to die it needs to come into submission to the spirit of god in our life and when we no longer have compassion for our lives for those around us, for the broken world, it can often be a sign that the flesh is rising up because it knows that it's being threatened because it has to change. I have to give up part of, part of my finances. I have to give up part of my time. I have to surrender myself for somebody else. See, when we come across someone who's, who is broken, I think it's also important for us to recognize that it's not just about the person who's broken, but it often is about us because this is a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. You remember that, right? They used to do those regularly because they were testing their communication because they know when an emergency comes up, you have to be ready. So every so often, there would be these bars that would come up right in the middle of your favorite show, your favorite sporting event, whatever, and would say, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system because they want to make sure it's there. They want to make sure you hear it. They want to make sure that you know that when it all goes down that you're ready. And this is why the Lord tests us. Sometimes we question and say, Lord, why are you testing it? Why am I going through difficulty? And he's saying, I'm getting you ready. That's why James says to consider all joy when you go through all these struggles, because I'm getting you ready, because there's something coming that I want you to be ready for, because I'm sending you. You're my hands. You're my feet. You're my ambassadors. I choose to flow through you. And Jesus said, I'm going to do even greater things through you. But you have to get ready. You have to get ready. You have to be prepared. And when we see broken people in our life, when we see, see it all around us, and you don't have to look far here in Seattle to see it, it is very evident. It's everywhere, but there is great evidence now. And even through COVID, we've been sifted, we've been tested, and we see it. How we respond to it reflects who we are and whose we are, who owns us. It's all, that's why Jesus said that loving our neighbor is the test, because it reveals If we are loving God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, this is where it all comes down, because we can say it, we can preach it, we can speak it, we can sing it all day long, but the test and the evidence comes in how we love each other, because that's when everything comes out, doesn't it? Has anybody ever here ever failed this test besides me, (laughs) and had to go back and go, I'm sorry, I did not look at you with eyes of compassion, I looked at you with eyes of condemnation. I've had to apologize to my kids before, haven't I? (laughs) Right. The people closest to us often press those buttons the most. But we do better on that test when we look at it and say, that was not the right response. I need to fix it. I need to move forward. I need to engage in this way. And so many times it reveals the value that we place on people. And we would all look at our families and the people that we love, the ones that are closest to us, and say, yes, I love you and I apologize. But... I think it's significant here in this story that Jesus looked at the Good Samaritan and how they responded to a stranger, how they responded. And he used somebody that was deemed as the enemy of them to say, this is the Good Samaritan when they behave in this way. Because looking at everyone this way, it it reveals how we feel about them. Do we see everyone around us as image bearers of God? Do we see everybody that we see around us as image bearers of God? Made in his image. It reveals if we have the heart of Jesus because this is the heart of Jesus. This is the way that Jesus looks at us. I wasn't always this pretty. (laughs) Bless you. You weren't always as pretty as you are. Our beauty comes as we surrender to Jesus Christ. This is how he looked at us and how he gave for us. So be, before we move on to this next section here, just write down a note for yourself. What are the areas that I avoid? Are there areas in my life that I'm avoiding? And, and these are also in the Church Center app in that Sunday morning service button. And ask yourself, even now in this week, be thinking about it. You know, what's preventing me from seeing? Is it just I've grown callous to it? Have I just, you know, I've... I used to work downtown and the more that you walk around there's there's it's very easy to ignore and just move on. I remember that I was down like my first week back and I was walking with somebody and I stopped and I talked to somebody and the person I was with who'd been there the whole time they're like, "Man, I've never even noticed them there before." Because they've grown so accustomed to it that we all do. That we all do. And then ask yourself, "Where are the blind spots?" because we all have them. That's why David prayed, "Lord, reveal to me my unknown sin." We all have blind spots. I got blind spots, you got blind spots. All gods children has blind spots. Right? Do you know that around us we talk about unreached people groups across the world. Do you know there are unreached people groups right here in Seattle? There are unreached people groups, different languages right here around us that are looking and responding. Do we see them? So we need to look well, but then we need to be willing to stop. See, the good Samaritans stopped. Because when you look this deeply into someone's life, when you have the eyes of Jesus and you're looking in, there's no way that you can keep going. It changes you. Have you ever seen something that affected you so deeply that you look back and say, when I saw this it changed me. When I saw my wife, it changed me. (laughs) Because I love her. I fell in love with her. God began speaking to me about our future together. She was beautiful to look at. But we need to look deeply at the culture around us and go, God, what are you calling me to over here? To do that, we need to stop See, the only response that the Good Samaritan after looking so deeply was to stop. So what does stopping require of us? It's difficult to stop, so what does it require? Stopping requires transformation. Transformation, I know I'm stating the obvious, everything we've been talking about, but if we are to love, if we are to stop in this way, if we are to be filled with compassion that God's calling us to, this only comes from transformation. There will be some things that are easy, right? When I saw Stephanie, it was very easy to stop. But there are people in our culture, people around us, people that we see, people that are hostile towards us. It's very difficult to stop. The only way that we're going to stop is if we are transformed, if we are loving the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. An unsurrendered life will never stop in this way consistently through culture. We'll stop where it's easy. We'll stop where we're willing to give a little bit. We'll stop where, like, you know, I've budgeted this much time, and this fits into everything going on I'm willing to do here. But to do this kind of effort to stop and to say, God has placed me here for this moment, for this time, and I'm going to stop because I'm responding to the voice of God right now, this requires transformation because transformation is when you totally are dependent on God, and you totally trust God and say, if God's calling me to do it, he's going to figure everything, else out in my life but right now this is my assignment right here that only happens if we have gone through this transformative process of surrendering our life to christ because the flesh is going to say no what's in it for me how will this lead to achieving my goal and pleasing myself the flesh will always rise up against that it's always the flesh is always about trying to live longer it's always about trying to get more hair on you it's always trying to get you to experience more pleasure Because the flesh knows that it will one day die, so it holds on for every moment, for every... Your your flesh is literally trying to suck the life out of you. (laughs) And just trying to get all that it can. That's why I surrendered life, the one that is centered on God, that transformed life, is responsive to the voice of God because it's, it recognizes that this is not about my flesh. This is about the part of me that lives forever with God. This is about the part of me that gives me that deeper joy, not just the temporary joy, not just the shallow joy, but this is the part of me that long-range, long-term, it brings that fullness of joy. It's God working at everything in my life, and it brings joy, the, the, the joy of the Lord, to those around me because now I'm moving in, in my purpose for God. Now I'm giving myself to them because the soul is in charge because the soul is leading us that surrendered life it's about living the life that lives forever it's that part of us that says you know what god is the possessor and when these opportunities come up we're saying yes god let's do it let's see what happens today this is the opportunity that i've been praying for that when you get on the bus you're saying god help me sit next to somebody today that needs to hear about you when you go to fred bar god is there a conversation is there an opportunity that can take place today when you walk into your place of business, when you walk into, into the clinic or wherever you go, you're saying, God, how can you shine through me in this moment? How can you shine through me in this moment? It requires that level of attentiveness. Let me give you an example. That, that's, a, that's very controversial right now. Vaccinations are very controversial. You're already, you're already starting to feel the heebie-jeebies, aren't you? <laughs> let me tell you something that happened to me this morning now normally I make my own coffee I'm my own barista but this morning on the way to church I felt God call me to pull into a Starbucks and you're like yeah that was the voice of God <laughs> and it's very easy for me to hear that encouragement from the Lord so, so I, I, I go in, I put my mask on And as I go in, I see this sign that starting tomorrow at Starbucks, you will need to show proof of vaccination. I know. Stay with me. (laughs) I love you all. (laughs) I saw this thing, vaccination. Now, I walk in starting tomorrow, and there's no one in line. It's just me. And I walk up, and I order my Triple Grande Skinny Vanilla Latte. And I asked the baristas, I said, hey, I saw the sign out there that you're requiring vaccinations. I said, I'm vaccinated, but, you know, when I come back, how can I help you? Do I need to show this? What is going to make your job easier when I show up the next time? Every barista they're not getting that response. Our service people are not getting that response. I didn't make it political. I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but I'm looking at them and saying, how can I make your job easier? Thank you for being here. I had to go to a clinic the other day, and it was one of those clinics where there were normally like six desks out, and there, but when we went there, there was one person and a line at the door. I looked at her and said, How can I make your job easier today? Thank you for being here. Very simple. Two sentences. It's like, Oh. We went and we waited. And then when we went in and saw the, saw the doctor, thank you. Is everyone being nice to you? Because I just want to say thank you and then I'm here. Oh. Immediately. The response is different. I didn't make it political. I just said how are you doing with this. The breezes looked at me and they said thank you. They said, "You know what? We're really stressed out. This is, you know, we've been given this job now of being the vaccination police and we've been given this job of doing this and even though I'm vaccinated and I'm here, they're like, you know, yeah, we're really stressed because people are responding and people are dumping this on us." And I'm like, "Well, you know what? I'm I'm here to help you. Thank you for doing this. That's all it takes." You don't need to share your politics. You don't need to share any of it. You just need to share, I care about you. I care what's going on. Our community is broken. They want to be there. They want to serve. They don't want to lose a job. They need their jobs. How are we going to respond? I'm not going to jump into the depths and complain with them. I'm not going to jump into any of that. I'm just going to say, how can I make this a good experience for you right now? Can you imagine if the body of Christ, if every follower of Christ, when they would go to a medical professional, when they would go to anybody, and they were respond in this way, you're here serving me, how can I make this easier for you? How can I help you in this? It's a different way of living, and it's a very small thing. And I'm not saying I'm a hero in that. I'm not saying I'm the only one who did that. I'm just saying I had a God moment in that moment of God, just something very simple, something easy, something that all of you would, would do. But just saying, this is about you right now. This is about you serving me. How is God calling us to serve in that way? Can we be a body of Christ in those small, simple things, just going, thank you for being here. How can I help you? This is the way that God is calling us. He's calling us to be part of the miracle. He's calling us to be part of the mission. And when we stop in those ways, I remember I used to lead choir years ago. And, and I remember one of the things that I would say to my choir often that it takes so little to shine in the culture that we're in. And that, that was 20 years ago. It takes so little to shine in, in a culture that's out for itself. That when you lay down yourself, even in that simple way, again, I'm not a hero. But when you walk in and instead of, you better make my drink right today. You better get this right. You better spell my name right, you know. You look and say, how how can I make this good for you? I know. I see see what's going on. Are you with me in this? Can we be a community like that? My goodness, so easy. And my drink was awesome. (laughs) See, if we're going to walk in, we need to be willing to experience pain with people. When we stop, when the good Samaritans stop, my goodness, time is running. I'm going to hit this really hard here. forward. But when we are willing to stop, we need to be willing to share the pain. Now, was I sharing the pain with the priest this morning? Not really. I mean, it's, you know, I love coffee houses, you know. I'd, I'd preach remotely from there. But I want to see all of you there are areas that, we, that are tougher that we need to stop in. And I think sometimes we're unwilling to stop because when we stop in and we have compassion, now we're sharing the pain of the person that we're stopping for. The Good Samaritan, when he stopped, he was stopping in the very place that that person was mugged and beaten, and the robbers are still there. They're hiding behind the rocks. They're there. They're everywhere. And when we stop, whether you're stopping on social media and you're saying, I'm with you, I'm praying for you, or you're jumping in, or you're stopping out on the street, you are putting yourself in a vulnerable situation. A lot of times we're like, man, I don't want to get hurt today. I don't want to put myself in that spot. But when we step in, we know that God is there. Whatever happens, when I'm obedient to God, whatever happens in my life, I know that God is with me and whatever that means. Because this flesh is not mine. My flesh has been given a certain amount of time. My soul is forever. I want to stand before God and say, God, in every situation I walked into, I said, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And I'm telling you, when you walk in those ways, when you step in those ways, when you know you're obedient to God, that's the John 10, 10, life to the full. That's when you'll have this new energy come in you. Are you tired today? Start operating in those ways. I remember I was in this, some, of the, some of the times in my life when I've spent myself the most, but I knew that this is on purpose for God, have been some of the most life giving times in my life. When I was riding the e ride downtown early in the morning and late, late at night, Stephanie would tell you that I was invigorated. Invigorated. Why? Because that was a season in my life that when I look back, the conversations that I had, the people that I was able to talk to, the ways that I was able to engage with, they made an impact because we're stepping into culture. Again, I am no hero. I'm not doing everything perfect. But what I'm saying is that when we are willing to stop, as we go about our day, wherever we go and we see things, this is where that life comes in. See, experiencing the miracle, that often involves sharing the danger and the pain. But you will also experience the protection of God and the presence of God in those moments. You'll experience God saying things through you that you're like, where did that come from? That's not from me. Maybe God spoke through me in this moment. This is what you'll experience. So before we move on to the last one, I I promise I'm going to move as fast as I can. I want you to ask yourself, where do I need to stop? Where are the areas that I'm rushing through? Where is I'm going about my day? Am I just ignoring things? When you're standing in line of Fred Meyer and say, when are they going to get more people on these cash stands so I can get through here quicker? Instead of doing that, go, hey, how are you doing today? You know, Look around you. Talk to people around you, wherever you go. So ask yourself, where do I need to stop? Where am I rushing through? And then finally, he stepped in. The good Samaritan, he was willing to step in and do whatever it took to be part of the solution. God is calling us to step into our culture. Now, we need to gather well. We talk a lot about the church gathered and the church scattered. And if we're just scattering without gathering, we are scattering a mess. (laughs) And we've all experienced that. God is not calling us to, exp- to, to just scatter a people that they're, they're, that they're not having this opportunity to gather to grow, right? We gather so that we can grow, and then we scatter. Because we need to gather well. But the result of us gathering, the result of us knowing God's word, the result of us hearing, the result of us praying, the result of all of this should be evidenced now by how we scatter, how we step into our culture and our day-to-day, everyday life. See, God moves after we move. Have you heard that before? That often we'll experience the movement of God after we move. See, God meets us in our action. James, faith without works is what? Dead. Our faith is measured by our feet. So why is it that God meets us in our action? He meets us in our action because God is already there. He's saying, will you join me? Will you believe in me? Because if we're not willing to step up to it, There's no commitment, and it will go away. We know this principle in every action of our lives. As it relates to education, if a student doesn't want to learn, they will not learn. If I'm not willing to lay my life down, if all all I want to do is just come together and just feel good every week, but I'm not sacrificially giving my life, I'm not being transformed, I will not learn and grow in the things of Christ. We need to move. We need to put feet to our faith. You have all the faith you need. Faith is not about feelings. Now, you know me, I got a lot of feelings. I got my cracking mug right here, baby, okay? I got a lot of feelings. I got, I'm filled with hockey tears. But faith is not about feelings, and I, though I love them. I cried during worship today. When we sang this is my father's world, the spirit of the Lord was filling me, and tears began to roll down my face. I was like, yes, God, thank you for that reminder. But that should move me now to action. That's where faith comes in. He's there. He's, inv- he's inviting us to be there. He's just saying, are you willing to join me? Are you willing to trust me in this? Until we are willing to move, we have not showed any commitment to the things of God. Talk is cheap. You can tweet all you want. And the problem comes that w- when we are a culture that we put everything out on Twitter, we put everything out on Facebook, and there's nothing to back it up, we are giving a false impression, and we're also criticizing something that we know nothing about. It's an armchair quarterback. We can say all we want about Russell Wilson, we can say all we want about Pete Carroll, but when you're on that field experiencing it, it's a different story, isn't it? It is a totally different story. Everyone's come under criticism, but until you sit in those shoes, until you're there, until you stop, and you see, and you're moved with compassion, and you're putting yourself in that place, it is totally different. See, I don't wanna be a part of a body of believers that only talks about their feelings. I want to be a part of a body of believers that is talking about how God is moving in them. This is our testimony. You know Revelation says we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our... Do you know how you get a testimony? By moving. By getting in it. I'm not getting a testimony just standing here. I get a testimony when I step out and when I start saying things like, you know what? When I went to Fred Meyer this week, normally I'm like, get in and get out. Get in, get out. Or I see someone over there that I know is difficult. But this week I said, God, would you have something for me to do in Fred Meyer this week when I walk in? And I walked in and I got in line and I began talking to somebody about me. Or I shared with the person that was, that was, that was, uh, that was checking out all, all of my groceries. And then God began to move and he opened the door of opportunity. Can you imagine if you had that happen to you this week? how life-giving that would be? And that's just a very simple illustration along your way. And then God begins building you and strengthening you, and you're hearing the voice of God. And now you you get get in this conversation where you go to a coffee house, and you're sitting with somebody. In that coffee house, they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to, and you say, let me go study the Word, or let me go talk to Pastor Dwayne, or let me go talk to Pastor Tiffany, or Pastor Kim, or Pastor Stephanie, or one of our pastors, and let me kind of talk about this, and then can we meet here next week and talk about it? And then you get, and then you go and you study and now you're in God's word more. Now you're asking questions more and now you're building a relationship with somebody who's far from God. How many want that to happen to them this week? Seriously, I'm I'm asking for hands. How many of you want a conversation with somebody where they're asking you questions and they're asking you questions that you don't know, but it's causing you to study and you're building a relationship by saying, I don't know. Do you know that one of the greatest ways to build a relationship is say, I don't know, but let's talk about it. Let's, Let's come together. I would say with the majority of the atheists that I've talked to and I've seen come to Christ, early in that conversation, there was a confession of me saying, I don't know, but can we get together next week? And next week, we'll go to a better coffee house. This is our testimony. If you want the testimony, you need to have the feet. You need to be willing to move. See, thoughts are not testimonies. Feelings are not testimonies. Ideas are not testimonies. These are good. But they need to have some fruit, some faith to them moving forward. See, God directs us as we move. God meets with me as I move. God provides for me as I move. And God brings provision and the people into all of our lives as we move. The more we move for God, the more we experience the testimony, the story of God in us. We have to move. We have to move. We come together. We seek the Lord. We pray. We come together. I'm praying that that first Sunday of the month at 6 p.m., that this place is packed out. We're saying, God, speak to us, Lord. We're praying for our neighborhood. Lord, we're praying for each other. Yes, I'll give you an hour a month where I come together and pray with other Christians. So then as we respond to that, as we move for each other, we're moving out. I'm praying in those prayers that people are being healed, that relationships are being restored, that, our, that the darkness in our mind is being removed, a stronghold. But we need to pray for each other. I'm praying that those in those prayer service, people will surround me and pray for me. It's hard sometimes. (laughs) I need your prayers. And it's good to say I'm praying for you, but it's awesome when I hear the body of Christ praying out loud. There's power in that. There's power in that. Have you been to prayer services like that? Oh my goodness. I grew up in a church like that. Every Sunday morning, I would hear men and women just praying. I would hear Sunday school teachers calling out my name. (laughs) That's powerful. That stays with you. So how are we stepping into, into our culture? How are we stepping into our culture? Well, first of all, we're stepping into a culture. We built a church, the body of Christ. One of the ways that we stepped into culture is somebody over 80 years ago, established a beachhead in this community when it was just being developed. We built a church. I love what Ed Stetzer says. He says that God's strategy to reach a broad range of people with a simple message of the gospel centers on the church of Christ. In fact, he said when God promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against us in Matthew 16, he was speaking to the church as a whole, not just as individuals. Ed Stetzer goes on to say the church is a sign it's a foretaste it's an instrument of the kingdom reign of God and for now God equips churches to be the places from which spirit-filled believers that's all of you they live out the gospel confidently and faithful in every context and he goes on to say you simply can't be a good neighbor who engages the world without the support of a local church why do you think Satan attacks the local church so much? Oh, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, they're all fake. All Dwayne talks about is coffee and hockey. When's he going to talk about God? Are there hypocrites in the church? Yes. Just like there are in Fred Meyer and anywhere else you go. And I would say this, every hypocrite is welcome here. Where else are you going to learn? Where else are you going to grow? Where else are you going to find Jesus. This is why we are here, to lay out the word of the Lord so that our lives can be transformed. I wish everybody, no matter what their hurts, habits, and hang-ups, they would find themselves here and that we would be a body of believers that would surround them and would encourage them and say, there is a better way, because you know what? We were all there once. And sometimes we keep popping back and forth between those camps. This is how we grow. We grow. But Satan has attacked the church, this gathering element, more and more and more intently, even through COVID, because he knows that if the body of Christ will ever get his act together, that they'll stop complaining, stop grumbling, start, stop chasing these red herrings out here and focus on the mandate of Christ, that there will be a force in this world that God is in, that no weapon formed against it shall prosper because God is in it. And God is saying, when are you going to join me? When are you going to mature in your faith and instead of being on milk, move to the point where now you're eating meat and nothing's going to distract you. You're my brother, you're my sister, we're going to work together. We want iron sharpened iron, but then when it starts to friction we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. i got to step back from this. See, those that are closest to us will often become some of the greatest points of pain. And the only way that we are going to grow is as we stay in it, as we develop, as we do that. Now, I'm not talking about abuse. When there's abuse going on, that's what I'm talking about. You need to protect your soul. You need to step back from it. But when you have a body of Christ that's healthy, that's growing, there's good accountability. We're praying for each other. When there's a problem, there's, there's this mediation step when we come together. Our board does that. Our board operates in that way and steps in to help mediate problems at time when it comes to that level our pastors, our group leaders. When we behave in that way and we say, you know what? This is the body of Christ. These are my brothers and sisters. This is where we fulfill the will of God together as we launch out. And the only way that I'm going to fulfill God's will out there is as I fulfill God's will and coming together and I'm encouraging and I'm growing and I'm praying. But it's going to hurt sometimes. It's going to hurt sometimes. But I mean, look at the saints in this room. Those who have been here for more than 10, 20, 30, 40 years, serving the Lord and coming together, do you not think they ever had a reason to go? (laughs) But they're still here. They could have left. They could have been gone, but they're saying no. God's called me to this beachhead, this place, because I want to see Shoreline come to Christ. I'm having feelings now. (laughs) I want to see Shoreline come to Christ. I want to see us reach deeper into Seattle. I want to see us reaching deeper out to a world that is now hostile towards Christianity. The gloves are off, but we're saying, you know what? We're gonna be filled with the love of Christ. And we're gonna walk in this way, and it's gonna to be tough. The testing's not over yet, but we're gonna grow. Look at the saints. And I can start naming them one by one, but I don't want to forget anybody. That they're saying we're here. <laughs> We're here, Satan, beware, because we're going to pull together in the power of God to reach into a dark world. We need other believers to grow. If you want to grow in Christ, you need other believers. The stats are clear on this. Sadly, I have so many friends and people have come into my life, they're like, you know what, I don't, I, 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 I don't need the church to grow in Christ. They're not doing well today. We need each other. That's how God made us. He made us as a body. He didn't make you just as a finger to point. He made you as a finger to be a part of a hand, to lay hold of the promises of God, to lay hold of the plow, to move forward. But it's challenging. But we need this. Gathering is essential. Gathering is essential. Look, and I I want us just very quickly lay some of these things out. Look at all the things that Shoreline Community Church has been a part of in the past. And this has been a response because when we look to the New Testament church, do you know the first thing that Paul did when he moved into a new community? He planted a church. He found some people with him. He planted a church. See, the church is meant to be this place of support for ministries. Here at Shoreline Community Church, we financially support missionaries around the world and in our backyard. We support Union Gospel Mission downtown. We support Bread of Life downtown. We support, financially, all of Crest Ministry that ministers to foster kids and families in the area. We financially support community dinners. Every day of the week, community dinners is now using our kitchen to make food to spread out to the city of Seattle and surrounding area for free. And we, we, we just give it to them, as we should. We got it commercially licensed and now they're able to be in there and using it. We support backpacks for kids. We support Pregnancy Resource Center. We support Chi Alpha Campus Ministries to bring the love of Christ onto our local campuses. We support Convoy of Hope, and ministry that moves globally and locally to bring disaster relief that when, when Convoy of Hope they see there's a storm, they get in their vehicles and they start going because they know there are churches that have supported them and that, that they're with them. We support missionaries around the world that like we prayed for earlier that are in some of the darkest areas. We support missionaries we can't even tell you all about because, because they're in such a, a hostile environment that just by mentioning their names out loud that can put them in danger. And we send money to them. We send prayers to them. We pray for them. These are things that we do as we gather together. And as we sacrifice go, God, I'm investing in the future. I'm investing in those that right now there's nobody investing in them. That I'm giving sacrificially in this way. So very quickly, and I hesitate to say very quickly because I need to ask forgiveness for that lie already. But what else is God calling us to do? How is God calling us to take greater steps into our neighborhood and into our culture? How is God calling us to step out in this way? Does anybody remember the annual celebration from back in 2020? Back before we had all this, <laughs> Right? Just before the pandemic, we had an annual celebration. In that meeting, we laid out a vision and the mission for this next venture for a coffee house. And we walked through, all, we, we walked through Q&As. We walked through a lot of just the information going on. But we, we recognize that as we look at our, at our community, it is a coffee culture. And that's not just the heart of your pastor speaking today. It is, coffee in America began here. Coffee in America began here. People fly from all over the world to come here to learn how to do it. And coffee was revolutionized in Seattle because it wasn't just giving a cup of coffee, but it was creating that third place where people would gather, where people would have conversation. It was that third place away from home, away from work, where they could gather and be there. And as we looked at it, as we looked at the opportunities to, to do this, as we looked at the opportunity of creating a coffee house where we would step out, we would be with our neighbors, we would create a coffee house that one day, as we begin to build, we could create lift opportunities by bringing in at-risk youth and teaching them how to work, how to hold down a job, how to show up responsibly, where we could one day raise that, where that would be a revenue-creating machine that we could support missionaries around both locally and around the world. As we looked at that as being kind of a starting place where it would be a coffee house by day, and the ministry would branch up by night where we would be learning, the membership said, yes we will stand behind this and we will get behind it and we're doing it over in the hub where way back in 1936 that property was purchased and it was dedicated for the purpose of reaching our neighborhood for the whole purpose of planning a church and furthering missional ventures and throughout the years, so many things like this, there have been so many leaders, and even, even, even the, the borders looked at how can we use that, but the zoning restricted us because it was just a neighborhood and you couldn't do a business. Now we have a link light rail to where the city of Seattle is now here. We are in a booming place where there are condos going up and they're filling up, and there are people looking for rentals, and even with everything being built, it is still hard to rent a place here in Shoreline. It is growing exponentially. And so one of the things that, that we knew that as we talked to the Lord, and as we prayed together, that God was opening the doors because everything was just lining up. We had, we had Natalie Radford who, used to, who has run her own coffee businesses for years going, I feel like God is birthing this. The opportunity that I had working in a coffeehouse throughout the year, being trained by, the, by two U.S. Barista champions, and, and seeing firsthand what can happen when you're outside of the box, and you're, and you're in, in the culture, and you're just serving people, how those conversations come alive and how the Lord speaks to you with a link light rail. The importance of having gospel proximity, being in there. But to me, this is more than just a coffeehouse. This is more than just all of that. I'm praying that this will just be the beginning of a new season. That as we think about this coffee house, the coffee house is not the end. The coffee house is just the beginning. Right now, we, we are, are getting ready to put permits with, with the city of Shoreline, and our hope is that those permits will be approved by the end of this year, so the beginning of January, we can begin the remodel. And we're going to be talking more about that to come. So that hopefully, if everything goes well, and as, as these things move forward, that, we, that we, we, we can start doing our soft launch by the spring, end of summer, with our grand opening being in the fall. And just one little story in that. You know, during COVID, membership said, yes, let's do it. And then we were shut down. (laughs) And then the body of Christ was sifted. And I began, Lord, is this? (laughs) You told me to build a coffee house to reach people. (laughs) Totally unsolicited. I, I I had a couple come to me and say, so what's happened with the coffee house? I said, well, still there. I said, I'm just praying, what does that mean? Because things are different now. And I said, you know what? We felt the Lord speak to us. We want to give towards this. And so they gave a sizable donation. They want to be anonymous in this. But they said, we believe in this. And I've had other people along the way without even talking about it. And even as I'm talking about it now, the Lord may be stirring your heart and saying, yes, I want to give. I want to give financially. Or I'm a tradesperson. I want to be a part of helping this. Or I can do this for it. Or I can give in this way. Because it is just the beginning. Because I'm praying that as we do this, that the Lord will teach us what it means to engage with our culture. And that all throughout this church, people will begin to dream again. And that as they have, that, have dreams, it will not just be boxing. Yes, we need to gather. We need our groups. We need to be praying together. We need to be doing all those things. But I'm praying for this entrepreneurial spirit that people begin to think about. You know, God's putting this in my heart, and it may seem crazy, but when they do that, you know, they'll be like, you know what? They built a coffee house, so they're open to that. So, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go talk to my pastor and see what he, what he says and just know that your pastor going to be yeah, yes, let's dream the dream. Let's put this out. I'm praying that there will be bakers that will come up. I'm praying that there will be be people that will be looking at ways of reaching and investing in our kids, ways of investing in greater ways, things that I can't even think about. This past week in the board board meeting, I had a board member ask me, so what's your plan? What's the program that you're moving forward as far as for like equipping these leaders? And I'm like, "Here's, here's, here's my plan, that as a community, we would be, a community that loves the Lord our God with all the heart, mind, soul, strength, and that we're transformed in the fullness of Christ. And that, and that we're loving our neighbor. We're practicing these things of loving our neighbor. And that we're creating a culture that when God speaks, that they know they can speak that here. And that we will welcome it and say, how can we do it? That it's a culture to where someone doesn't have to be, feel like they're, they're perfect before they can step forward in a dream. Because sometimes we think, you know what, God's giving me this dream, but I've got hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Who has hurts, habits, and hangups here? I do. Have you met any of Jesus' disciples? They all had problems. And that's what they would do. They would, they would have this problem. They would deny Christ three times. Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. And they said, no, I'm not. And then they did it, and they ran away. And Jesus ran to them and said, look, feed my sheep. Come on, step up. Come on, wake up. It's time for us to come alive in this. It's time for us to be filled with the empowerment of God as we move. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying we're not going to deal with the sin. No, Jesus dealt with sin. Very straight. People walked away from Jesus sad, but not because he didn't welcome him. We deal with it. We don't compromise the gospel, but God needs to, we need to receive God's instruction in how we talk about it. It's, it's all how you talk about it. Jesus was uncompromising, but he front-loaded it with grace. He front-loaded it with love and mercy. He front-loaded with, like, come on, let's go. You're my disciple. You're my disciple. We're going to do this. Can you imagine if we were that culture, totally surrendered, totally sold out, where the entrepreneurial spirit was coming alive, where each week we came together, we're praying for things. We have ministries that are reaching out to the neighborhood around us, reaching out to the city around us, where people feel welcoming, Welcome to come in and talk about it. And now we are equipped with the power of God to minister in the name of Jesus. Is that what you want this place to look like? I believe that's what God wants this place to look like. Responsive. We have yet to experience the fullness of God. But it begins with surrendering, loving him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. You gotta be transformed. God's not gonna swing a blunt tool. (laughs) He's going to sharpen you. He did that to Paul. Paul experienced, and then he had this time of God just sharpening him. And look what happened. He's sharpening us. But we need to stay in the hands of God as he does that. And we need to stay together. And we need to invite people to that. We need to invite our friends. We need to reach out. Already I'm talking to people. They're going, how do I share Christ in a context that's that I It's hostile towards me. These are great questions that God's going to lead us in. Amen? Can we just stand together? Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Lord, you've called us to look and to see and to look so deeply that we are filled with that compassion, that love. And you're calling us to stop. To stop and to put ourselves in that position. And then you call us to step in. So Lord, do your work in us, I pray. Do your work in us, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you that you, you don't give up on us. Lord, that you will take us, transform us, revitalize us, knit us together. Lord, we thank you because when we're tested, Lord, help us to recognize when we're being tested. Help us to recognize that this is just a test. This is an opportunity for strengthening, that we can find that joy that it says in James. Lord, help us to come together as the body of Christ, to love one another, encourage one another. It starts here. It starts here. Teach us, show us, help us, we pray. As we walk forward in your name. Everyone say together. Amen, amen. Let me encourage you. I pray this is a catalyst. This is not done. Just because you hear something, is not done. Now there's got to be some works to that faith. There's got to be, I'm praying that you will take this, that you will go in, all the notes are online, those questions, pray over those, look through those. Get with people, talk about it in your groups, get with people you you, you trust. Get with me, I'd love, I'd love to talk to you about it. So let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious toward you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.